I need to tell you some good news. You should already know this, but in case you don't know it, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Everything, everything, nothing lacking, everything that you need to walk in your destiny, to walk in victory, to walk in healing, to walk in increase, to walk in supernatural favor, to walk in discernment, to walk in faith, to walk in your devil-conquering destiny. Everything that you need to do that, here it is, good news, it has already been deposited in you. Everything you need has already been deposited in you. In you. It's in you. Nothing lacking. Yet, I hear people say, I'm under attack. I've said it. Many of you have said it. You're under attack. We're under attack. I feel like I'm under attack. My body is under attack. My kids are under attack. My family is under attack. My business is under attack. My health is under attack. My finances are under attack. You're not going to like this. But that's a good sign. I would be worried if there were no attacks. I would be concerned that he's leaving me alone because I'm no threat, because I'm not right with God. He's not worried about me. So he spends his time attacking somebody who is a threat. He spends his time attacking somebody that's making a difference. Somebody that's going to drive the devil's kingdom back and advance the kingdom of God. That's who he spends his time with. So when you're under attack, you ought to shout. You ought to shout. You ought to lift up a shout. You ought to glorify God. Because something is happening that's worthy of an attack. Evidently, there is a shifting. Evidently, there is a breaking. Evidently, something is happening in the atmosphere. Evidently, something is happening in your house. Something is happening in your ministry, in your business, in your family, in your region. So the devil strategizes to try to discourage you, to frustrate you, to cause you to quit, to back up, to lay down, to roll over, to play dead, to go backwards. So shout. Shout when you're under attack.
Turn this mic on, please, sir. Turn it up. Two, that's what you heard if you were on the battlefield the siren would sound the alarm would sound we are under attack we are under attack what are we going to do where are we going to run where are we going to hide are we going to launch airplanes? Are we going to confront the enemy? Have we been caught unprepared, unaware, not knowing who the enemy is, not knowing where the enemy is, not knowing what his plan is? Well, a lot of Christians, that's where they are. They may not even recognize when they are under attack. They just know things are not going well. Things are not right. What are we going to do? I believe that attack, when you're under attack, I believe your spirit can hear the sound of the attack. Because John 4, 24, write that scripture down. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. And those that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him, worship in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit. And Genesis chapter 1 said, God said, let us make man in our own image. And he did. He created male and female. He said, let them have dominion over the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea, over every living thing. Let them have dominion and subdue. But he said, let us make man in our image. So we are made in the image of God. God is a what? A spirit. So if we're made in his image, we are what? We are spirit. You are a spirit that will live somewhere eternally forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You are spirit being. However, your spirit lives in a body. That's what you see. The house that I live in is a body, but this is not the real me. You can't see the real me. You see the body, the house that I live in. The real me is my spirit that lives on the inside of this body. So we are spirit, we live in a body, and we possess a soul that is eternal. So God said, worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we are spirit, we can hear and see into the spirit realm when we are tuned in. 
Key words there, tuned in. Some folks are not tuned in to the Spirit of God. They live on the realm of the natural. They live in the realm of the flesh. They operate on only what they see with their natural eyes and only what they hear with their natural ears and only what they can touch with their hands. They deal with the five senses. But you are more than flesh and blood. And our war is not against each other. Our war, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, about, uh, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So there is a spirit realm. But when you tune in, when you spend time in prayer, when you are spirit-led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, let me say that again, when you are spirit-led by the Spirit of God, the Bible says there is one spirit. That's God, the Spirit of God. Anything else you're led by is a demon. You're not talking to Aunt Susie or Aunt Gertrude on the other side. If you're talking to anybody, you're talking to a demon. Let me make that clear. You're talking to a demon. And they will, demons will, they will parade themselves as angels of light. You better have discernment. Matter of fact, you better not be delving into that realm or else you will have, you will have problems. But there is a sound of attack. 1 Peter 5, 8 says that we ought to be sober. Look at your neighbor and say, be sober. Mm, I could pause right there and do a whole lot of preaching about folks that get intoxicated. Oh, I heard what you said. I can handle mine. I only have one. Well, then you're only one intoxicated, and you're not sober. You passed sobriety when you took the first sip. But he said, be sober, be well-balanced and self-disciplined, spiritually, physically, emotionally, be sober in every arena of your life. Be sober. Be balanced. Be self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. When is all times? When is all times? Is that just on Sunday? Is that just when you're under attack? Is that just when you're fighting a battle? Is that just when you're in a financial crisis? Is that just when you're making a decision about your future? No, it's all the time, 24-7. It's when you get up, when you lay down. You should be sober while you're asleep. Oh, some folks have to sleep it off, don't they? He said, be sober. Be alert and cautious at all times. That's all one sentence. All times, you should be sober. All times you should be well balanced. All times you should be self-disciplined. All times you should be alert. All times you should be cautious. Why? Because the enemy is against you at all times. That enemy of yours 
Oh, I heard what you said. I didn't know I had an enemy. I don't have an enemy in the world. If I knew it, I don't have an enemy. Yes, you do. That enemy of yours, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, it didn't say he is a lion. He's a counterfeit. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lucifer is a counterfeit. Everything that he has is a counterfeit to the real thing. It's all a facsimile. It's all imitation. Let me translate for you on the street. It's a knockoff. It ain't real. And that enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. He hates you. And I need to tell you, when you are spiritually in tune, you can discern, you can hear, you will know the sound of attack. Attack sounds like doubt. When you're under attack, the attack of the enemy will sound like doubt in your spirit, man. Because everybody in here, you all know. You know that you know that you know that you know. This word is true from index to maps. Everything in here is true. You can believe it. You can take it to the bank. You can stand on it. You can preach it. You can live by it. You can die by it. Every, every word in this word, this book is true. However, we don't always act like it. We do our own thing many times. James 1, 6, he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Let me tell you why you can't doubt. And doubt is the sound of attack. Let me tell you why you can't doubt. Because right there it says, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts, is like a wave of the sea, the ocean, blown and tossed by the wind. Now, let me ask you, have you ever been to the ocean? Have you ever stood and walked out into the water when the waves were rolling in and they beat against you? You can't predict one of them. When you think it's going to come and knock you down, It'll level out some just before you get there and you'll just kind of rise up. If you're confident that this one's not going to knock you down, it'll raise up and knock you flat. The wind will cause them to change directions. And instead of coming at you straight, they'll come from this side. And in a few minutes, they'll be coming from this side. And then in a few minutes, the waves pick up and the wind picks up and the undertow starts trying to pull you out that way. So when you doubt... You are like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So attack sounds like doubt because the enemy knows that you have spiritual authority. I gave it to you in Genesis 1 just a few moments ago. He said, have dominion and subdue. God has given you authority over the birds of the air, the beast of the field, the fish of the sea, over every living thing. God has given you authority. 
As a matter of fact, speaking about winds and waves, Jesus was on the boat in Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. The disciples, Jesus was asleep. The disciples were worried. They finally woke him up and said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? He got up and said, why is it that you have no faith? What he was saying is, you've been walking with me, you've been living with me, you've been going with me everywhere, you've seen me raise the dead, open blinded eyes, heal the sick, you've seen me do all these miracles. Why do you have no faith? Why wouldn't you let me sleep? Why wouldn't you let me rest? I needed to rest. But now that I'm up, peace, be still. He calmed the storm. The waves laid down. The wind laid down. And the Bible says there was a great calm. And all he said was, peace, be still. Now notice what he did. He talked to the storm. I wish I had time to talk to you about declaring a thing so it would be established. Because I know it's a new doctrine to you. I know you've never heard it. I know that it's confusing to you. The pastor, you're on the rampage this morning. Yeah, I don't know why folks don't just read the Bible and believe the Bible. Uh, it, it's a puzzle to me how we can read the Bible and hear preaching year after year after year after year, week after week, month after month, year after year, and we still go... Jesus talked to the storm? Wow, surprise. And we're made in his image in Ephesians 5.1. He said, be imitators of Christ just like children. Oh, we're supposed to imitate him. We're supposed to talk to our storms. Duh. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We are supposed to talk to our storms. Don't let your storm get the best of you. Storms don't last forever. They are temporary assignments to distract you, to confuse you, to cause you to doubt, to cause you to quit, to co cause you to back up, roll over, play dead, give up, quit. Look at your neighbor and say, but we're not quitters. So the enemy knows you have authority, and his agenda is to get you to doubt and cripple your authority. Because when you doubt and when you fear, it cripples your authority. How can you walk in the authority that God has given you when you doubt his word? When you pray for somebody and you doubt that they're going to be healed because it's a hard case. And every time you pray for a hard case and you don't see it happen, your doubt increases. So start with a simple case. It's okay. Exercise your faith. Pray for the headache. Pray for the shoulder ache. Pray for the little things. And when God does that, then you can believe for the bigger things. But when you know that you know that you know that you know the Word of God is true, don't let doubt come in because an attack on you will sound like doubt, causing you to doubt that God can or to doubt that God will. And then the more you have doubt, 
you start doubting whether God really is. Is he really God? Is there really a God? Did God really create the heavens and the earth? You know, science says that there was a, there was a big boom. Well, I can just hear God going, all right, we're going to create. And there's a big boom. I have no trouble believing that. But I don't believe that it took tens of millions of years, and I don't believe I came from one cell. And then, where did the one cell come from if there's no God? Nothing. Something has never been created out of nothing. There's never been order in an explosion. There's never been order in an explosion in a printing factory. They're printing books, and there's an explosion, and all the books come together, and all the pages, and all the ink on the pages from the explosion. I have a hard time believing that. It's much easier for me to believe that there's a God that said, let there be, and there was. So the enemy knows that you have authority, and his agenda is to get you to doubt. So there are times in your spirit, man, you can hear the sound of doubt. You need to suppress it. I'm going to tell you how to do that before we get through. And then sometimes attack sounds like betrayal. You know, God created all of us as dumb sheep. Don't get offended. We're all dumb sheep that need a shepherd. And a dumb sheep will go where they are led, right? It's in the Bible. But attack sounds like betrayal. You see, as sheep, we are created to be loyal, we are created to believe. That's why people are so gullible sometimes and they fall into so many scams and they're led astray because we, within us, we want to believe. We want to be loyal. But attack sounds like betrayal. And in Matthew 26, 49, we read where immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Greetings, rejoice, Rabbi. And he kissed him in a deliberate act of Betrayal. He had already made the deal with the enemy. He had already made the deal with the religious leaders. He had already worked it out. He had already been paid in advance for the betrayal that he was going to do and to deliver Jesus into the hands of the religious leaders. You see, betrayal is an attack on relationship. God wants us to be in relationship. If you've been around here any length of time at all, you have heard me say before, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. God wants us to be in relationship. We need each other. I need you and you need me. We are better together. The Bible says two are better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken one puts a thousand to flight but two working together puts ten thousand to flight so it's all about relationship and betrayal the sound of betrayal is an is an attack 
on our relationship. And when trust is broken in a relationship, it is beyond difficult to repair. Let me translate. It's difficult to put change in your pocket. It's difficult to gather, to accumulate, but you can lose all the change in your pocket just like that. Any of you guys married? If you're a married man, raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. When I say it is difficult to get change in your pocket with her. You can work for days, weeks, months, years, and you, can, you think you're piling it up, you're building that relationship, you're getting change in your pocket, things are going good. You can say one thing, just one, and all the change. How much of the change? All the change in your pockets. It's just like somebody came up and just clipped off the bottom of both pockets and all the change went out. And that's what happened. You clipped off the bottom of the pocket and lost all your change. So betrayal is an attack on your relationship. And when trust is broken, it is very difficult to repair trust. It can be. It should be. But it does not happen overnight. It is a process. But attack sounds like health issues. How many of you ever said, I'm under attack. My body's under attack. I'm sick. I'm fighting this. I'm fighting that. I'm, I'm fighting. I went to the doctor and I've got this bad report and I'm fighting this. I know I'm under attack. Uh-huh. Luke 8, 43, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. Somebody say, too long too long 12 years is too long 11 years is you so how long how long is not too long one year is too long six months is too long three months is too long 90 days three months one month is too long one week is too long one day is too long one hour is too long well i heard what some of you said well it's okay for you know an hour a day a week i i can take it no 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 you deserve what you tolerate why would you want to be sick one hour? Why would you want to be sick one day or one week or one month or one year? How long, do you, how, how long will you tolerate being sick? How long will you tolerate an attack on your health? Did you read the Bible? What did the Bible say? By his stripes you were healed. Well, then if you were healed, why should you be sick? If you were healed, why should you stay sick? Pastor Rita said it earlier. We cannot, we cannot control the fact, the fact that we may be attacked and there may be a sickness or something try, the enemy tries to put it on us. But we don't have to keep it. We don't have to embrace it. We don't need to tell everybody, I have this or I have that. The doctor said I have. Quit embracing it. Quit declaring that you have it. That reports only so you know how to pray from then on. Rebuke it, refuse it in Jesus' name because the Bible said by his stripes you were healed. Either it's true or it's not. And I base my entire life on it being true. I have spent my entire life in ministry trying to tell people that the Bible is true. And if we'll live by the B-I-B-L-E, we will make it to the other side and we can live victorious on this earth. Somebody say yes. yes. So attack. 
sounds like health issues. The enemy knows that Jesus paid a price for your healing. So he is relentless to get you not to believe in healing. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. And there may not have been one. There may be things that there is no cure. So what? We serve a healing Jesus. Thank you for your pitiful applause. We serve, let me say it again, we serve a healing Jesus. Yes! Hallelujah! So here's the good news. When you are under attack physically and you get sick, you don't have to stay sick. Recognize it. And then call on Jesus and thank him that he's already healed you 2,000 years ago on the cross. By his stripes, you were healed. Thank him for that. And then go on about your business glorifying God that you have been healed. Because it's true. Attack physically, you can hear it. It's the sound of attack. But your spirit knows. You just know. It's in your spirit. You know because you are spirit. And you're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So your spirit knows. Because that's the real you on the inside. Living in a body that may be under attack. But the real you's on the inside. And the real you knows what this word says. That by his stripes you are healed. Because you are spirit. You live in a body and you possess a soul. And you're going to live somewhere eternally one day with him. Forever and ever and ever. You know that sickness cannot stay. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if he's in you, if he's in you, how can your body be overwhelmed with cancer, with heart disease, with leukemia, with whatever it is? How can your body, how can it, how can it continue if he's in you? How can it continue? Greater, John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than sickness that is in the world than pain that is in the world, than poverty is in the world, than doubt that is in the world, than fear that is in the world, than trouble that is in the world, than lawsuits that are in the world. Greater is he that is in you than whatever is in the world. Let's go on. I hear the sound of an attack. An attack sounds like financial issues. Yeah, this is where everybody is. This separates the men from the boys. Because we all can believe him to heal our body. We can all believe him for encouragement. We can all have faith when it comes to our family or our kids or situations that we face in life. We have faith. We believe. We stand. We shout. We dance. We're troublers to the enemy. We drive him back. But when it comes to our finances, everything about us got saved except for our wallet. 
said, Pastor, how can you say that? Because the national stat is that less than 3% in churches across America pay tithe. Less than 3%. So 97% plus, because it's less than 3%, 97% of people in America don't pay tithe. There's three reasons people don't pay tithes. Number one, they don't know they're supposed to. They're in a church that doesn't teach tithing, so they don't know. We teach tithing here so you know. You have no excuse. Second reason people don't believe they don't pay, they don't pay their tithe is because they're afraid they can't. They can't afford it. Boy, it got quiet in a hurry. They're, they're afraid that they can't afford to pay their tithe because they're struggling week to week now with their bills and their income now. And they're thinking, well, if I, if I pay my tithe, maybe I'll just wait. And if I have any left at the end of the week or the end of the month, then I'll pay my tithe. No, he said, bring your tithe first. That should be the first check that you write every week or every month, whenever you give, whenever you write your bills. The very first check should be to the Lord. First, first tithe, first check, first gift before you pay anything else. And then it's up to God to stretch the 90% that is left to meet the needs. So try God, trust God. We're in a 90-day tithe challenge right now. Trust Him and see if He won't bless you and increase you. Just try Him. Try Him for one week. Try Him for 90 days. Try Him. Whatever you think you can try Him for, try Him. Prove Him, the Bible says. So number one, people don't know they're supposed to. Number two, they're afraid they can't. They're afraid they can't pay their bills and meet their needs, so they don't. Number three is they're rebellious. They said, it's mine. It's my money. Why should I give it to God? Why should I give it to the church? And they're rebellious. And your Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And I heard what people say, well, well, I earned this money. This is my hard-earned money. Well, you didn't read the Bible. The Bible says the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it. Look down at your shoes. Those are not your shoes. Those are God's shoes. Look at the clothes you have on. That's not your clothes. That's God's clothes. He's letting you borrow it. Take a deep breath. That's not your air. That's God's air. Look at the floor down here. You see the carpet? That's God's carpet. The earth, if you walk outside and look at the ground, that's God's ground. The trees are God's trees. The buildings are God's buildings. Yeah, it's true. Jingle your keys. You got keys in your pocket? Take your keys out and jingle them. You think those keys open the door at your house? No, 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 no. That's God's house. He's just letting you live there. Your car key's on that ring. You think, oh, that's my car. That's my brand new car. No, 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 no. That's God's car. It's not your car. See, we have the wrong mentality. We want to say, that's mine. I earned it. I worked for it. Who gave you the health to go to work? Who gave you strength in your body to take a deep breath? Who gave you muscles that allowed you to get up? Who let you sleep last night so you could wake up refreshed and go to work? Look at that little finger. Move it just a little bit. Can you move that finger? Your Bible says it's in Him we live and move and have our being. You can't wiggle that little finger except the grace of God. 
and you want to say it's your money or your house? No, 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 no. A million times no. It all belongs to God. And when you get that understanding of economics, it's easy when God says, here, I'm letting you have this $300,000 house. I'm letting you earn this $50,000 salary or this $100,000 salary or whatever your salary is. I want a dime out of every dollar you make. Just a dime. Well, it's all his. He could say, give it all to me. He just said, give me the dime. If you live in America, and most of y'all do, if you live in America and you pay taxes, most of us pay more than a dime. And I've been to over 50 countries around the world. This one's the best. I'm telling you. I've been to some that were okay, and I've been to some that I don't want to go back. But this one is the best. I'll gladly pay my taxes to stay here. See, attack sounds like financial issues. I'm under attack. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, Well, trust in your money, and down you go. Because it ain't really even yours. And if you start trusting in it, thinking it's yours, it'll be like putting money in a bag with holes in it, the Bible says. So trust in your money, and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Spring is upon us. Things are turning green. Flowers are budding. Pollen is in the air. <laughs> you see, the enemy knows how to hit you where it hurts. If we don't live in obedience to his word regarding our finances, we are prime targets for enemy attacks this would be a great time for me just to jump in here and say we are raising money and we need sixty thousand dollars we actually need about a hundred but we're asking you to help us with sixty thousand dollars to build walls in the kids area and to help upgrade the kids area and to build a recording studio so this team can get the sound out around the world and we're asking you to help us and some of you already have Thank you. There have already been several great contributions. Some have been putting in a little bit each week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you helping us do that because we're doing it to advance the kingdom. But if you haven't given anything yet, I'm talking to you. We're asking you to help us. Build one of those panels on the wall. Buy one of those panels on the wall. Spend $500. Spend a thousand. Write a check for ten thousand. There ought to be some significant gifts. Some of you could write a big check because we're really going to need about a hundred. So if you want to write a hundred, you're welcome to write a hundred. God will bless you, and we'll use the other to build a drive-through out in the front. We'll, we've got some other projects on the runway, down the road, so it'll go to good places. But everybody could give a hundred. Everybody could give two or three hundred over sixty days. That's what we're asking you to do. And y'all see how quiet it got? I've killed it now. I'm not taking an offering, but if you want to run up, jump up, run down here and throw money on the altar while we're preaching about receiving offerings, and you're welcome to do that. 
People used to do that. A few years ago, I'd preach. People would run to the altar the whole time we're preaching, throwing money on the altar, not to give to me, just sowing seed into the Word of God. Amen. Attack sounds like spiritual issues. Oh, here's where we're going to really hit you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to hit you hard now. You thought he hit us with finances. He's going to hit you hard now. Attack. I'm under attack. Sounds like spiritual issues. James 1. And remember, when you are being tempted. See, she got it. When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. Because God is never tempted. He's never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. In other words, God is not tempting you. When you are tempted, do not say, I'm tempted of God. Because God never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires. I thought I'd get a few amens there. It was real quiet. I got three or four. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires, these temptations that are ours, that belong to us, that are not from God, and it doesn't even say they come from the devil. Oh, so we want to blame the devil for everything. There was an old guy back in the 70s or 80s. His name was Flip Wilson. All you old people will remember Flip Wilson. I read about him. I, I don't think I remember him, but I, I read about him. And everything that happened, the Flip Wilson would say, the devil made me do it. Why did you do that? The devil made me do it. And people want to blame the devil with everything. The devil doesn't even have to do some things because we are drawn away of our own lust, according to James 1, 13 through 15, and we are enticed. And those enticements, our own lust, our own desires, drag us away. These desires give birth to our sinful actions, and when sin, sin when it is finished, it is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death let me translate your sin your little sins let me hit you real hard your little white lies I don't know why they call it a white lie a lie is a lie is a lie hello yes tell them I'm not here tell them I'm not here tell them I'm not here liar say, oh, pastor, that doesn't hurt anybody. Oh, really? Where is my Bible? Where is my Bible? Here's my Bible. Revelation. Oh, see, y'all know where it is. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Yeah. 
shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, oh, pastor, you're being extreme. Oh, really? Tell God that when you stand before the great white throne judgment. And he says, you're weighed in the balances and found wanting. And you say, oh, but I went to church and I paid my tithes and I led people to Jesus and I brought them and I volunteered on all the big days and big events. But you lied out because the Bible says he will say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. Thank you. Yeah. See, we, we, want to, we want to do our little sins, our little pet sins, our little pet sins, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. No, it won't hurt anybody. Nobody, nobody will know. Nobody cares. It really doesn't matter. The devil is a liar. The Bible says he is the father of lies. And so he wants to get you to become a liar. He wants you to commit sin. And the Bible says, it teaches us that sin separates us from God. You see, the enemy knows your weak spots. And he appeals to your fleshly desires. Paul said, spirit is willing, flesh is weak. That's why we need him. When we are weak, he is strong. That's why we need each other. That's why we need a righteous spouse. That's why we need good, righteous accountability partners. Because by ourselves, we are weak. But together, we are strong. Two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. It sounds like spiritual issues. It sounds like lust. Oh, did I say something wrong? It sounds like adultery, fornication. It sounds like lying. It sounds like stealing. It sounds like unrighteousness, doing people wrong. Attack sounds like spiritual issues, like unforgiveness. And hatred and racial prejudice. Come on. But our attack, your attack, you're under attack. Remember what I told you when we started. That's a good thing. I'm under attack. Well, praise God. I must be doing something right. I'm under attack. My finances are under attack. Praise God. I, I need to sow some more. I've been sowing and the enemy hates it. I better, I better sow some more. My body's under attack. Well, by his stripes I am healed. Let me just praise God. Let me just thank God. The enemy must be threatened by me. Let me praise God because he is my healer. Our attack sounds like victory. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as the world does. Let me translate, flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people. You're not fighting against somebody else. He is not your enemy. She is not your enemy. Your neighbor, your coworker, your family member, they are not your enemy. Even folks in other countries that claim to be the enemies of the United States, they are not your enemy. I don't care what country they're from. They bleed red just like we do. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They are not carnal. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Your weapons have divine power. Your weapons have divine power. Your weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds, to pull down strongholds, to drive the enemy back. You say, what, is, what are my weapons? I'm glad you asked. Very simple. Faith, prayer, the Word of God, the Word and declaration in your mouth. Those are your weapons. The Word of God, your prayer, your faith, your worship, and the declaration in your mouth. Praise the Lord. He is my rock. He prepares me for war. He trains me for battle. Praise the Lord. Let's do it together. Praise the Lord. He is my rock. He prepares me for war. He trains me for battle. Again, praise the Lord. He is my rock. He prepares me for war. He trains me for battle. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody bless him.